Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Uh, Today, it is just me. That is right, I am going solo for episode 60 of this podcast, the big 6-0. Hard to believe we've made it here already, but it's been a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to another 60 more just like it. So, um, yeah, just me today. It's going to be, I think, a shorter podcast, probably aiming to be 30 minutes or less, to be honest. But um, there's been so much to, to, to that has happened, and I wanted to touch on quick. Uh, since the last episode, when I uh, recorded with Nick Dumoulin, uh, back on March 20th, it is now April 4th, so it's been about two weeks or so. And unfortunately, since then, the Ottawa Senators season has... Um, more or less come to an end. They are still technically not eliminated, but uh, for just about all time's sake, they are out of it. They really stumbled down the stretch in terms of just... they. We knew they had a hard schedule, and as of recording tonight, they have played 78 games. It is really cool that with four games left, I don't believe they are mathematically eliminated. Um, they have 81 points. The Panthers just jumped into the second wildcard spot with 87 Tied with the Islanders, both at 78. So, um, yeah, there's six points behind them with four games left. Uh, they're not technically mathematically eliminated, but uh, for all intents of sakes, they are. The The Penguins are at 86 and 78, so that'll be a tight wild card race to watch as the last week and a half stretches on here. Um, for the Ottawa Senators, it's been quite an interesting year. You know, definitely going to have the next podcast probably going to do... Um, I'm hoping to have uh, my yearly grades of the players on. You know, they have a lot of fun with that every year. So that'll probably be the next thing where we really overcap and do a season deep dive on on every single player. But, um, you know, it's been a fun year for the Ottawa Senators. And just as a side note, too, if anyone wants to hear playoff predictions or anything like that, Eminem Hockey Podcast is where you can find that. Uh, It'll be all up there. But um, if you told me at the beginning of the year the Ottawa Senators would be mathematically in the playoffs with four games left still, I would take that. Um, you know, obviously, they're probably going to finish about five. It looks like they will finish about 5.6 points out of a playoff spot. Again, we said at the beginning of the year, if they're playing meaningful hockey down the stretch into March, they played a meaningful game in April. Um, backbreaker loss against St. Uh, Columbus. Uh, that, that was really, unfortunately, you know, Backs against the wall playing the Maple Leafs, then Columbus back-to-back. You need two points, probably would like to take three, and four would be amazing. But, like, two was an absolute necessity. Three felt pretty needed to stay in the race, and four would have kept you in the race. And three-nothing loss to the Leafs, uh, and then a 4-3 overtime loss to the Blue Jackets, in which just, it was a back-to-back, but it was just, that was an unacceptable loss, to be completely honest. And and even then, you know, down the stretch, they had a big win against the Panthers, 5-2 on Monday, March 27th. Uh, um, a win against the Flyers in which they they threw a game away, almost threw a game away, sorry, I, I should say. It's one of the worst Flyer teams I've ever seen. Um, but just an up and, up and down year, really. Um, so, you know, again, March 20th is when the podcast that Nick, with Nick came out and at that time, they were, you know, they just lost to the Leafs in a shootout. Um, you know, they had lost five in a row and uh, six of their last seven at that point. And they turn around with a big 2-1 win against the Penguins. You know, have a good back-to-back against the Bruins, but lose 2-1. Just fall a little short. Beat down on the Lightning 7-2 and then uh, can't beat one and then the Devils 5-3 and then you get to that Panthers game. So, um, you know, it hasn't been a bad stretch. They lose to Carolina tonight in overtime. You know, again, you look at the last 
seven games or so, and you say, well, if you told me the Sens came out with a four, two and one record, you know, that's not horrible. Um, especially, or sorry, I should say nine games, I guess, even. Um, they come out with a four, two and three record. You know, that's obviously not as great. It's 500 hockey. So, um, you know, it's not horrible, but again, it was just one of those stretches where if they wanted to keep up in the playoff race, they're going to have to be a little better. But I, I think, generally speaking, if you're looking at this season on a macro level, especially, and we're going to get into some injuries in a second, but especially with everything they've been through injury wise, it's been a good season. You know, I, it was a weird way of getting here. There's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and consistency is a major question, I think, for this team. But I think one of the things that is fair to say is that, you know, this team finished right around where I think a lot of people, and I've said this a couple podcasts in a row, but right around where a lot of people would have been okay with at the beginning of the year. Um, again, like, I think a lot of people, if you said the Sens will finish five points out of a playoff spot and it'll take until game 80 for them to be mathematically eliminated. I think a ton of people would sign off on that, you know. Um, now, maybe, you know, you could make the argument that it's a little more disappointing that it looks like they're going to miss the playoffs by about five points and 92, 93 points might be all it takes to get into a playoffs in the East win versus, you know, maybe it was 96, 97 of the expectation. But, um, yeah, like they, they've made a big improvement. Um and I still kind of stick by what I say, I, that I hope that they can keep climbing. You know, they're above Batman 500. I'd love to see them get as close to real 500 as they could in terms of win and losses. You know, they're at 37 wins, uh, 34 losses, 7 overtime losses, so 37-41. They'd have to win out to um, um, hit real 500. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. But put yourself as close as you can. Um, let's get into some of the stuff that happened. So, I don't even know. Let's... Uh, Injuries. This has been the biggest news, I, I think. No, okay, let's start with goaltending. Sorry, I'm, I'm by myself. I still can't make up my mind here. Let's start with goaltending. So the goaltending has been an absolute wild ride for this team. Dylan Ferguson comes in and makes just absolutely amazing performance. He plays two really good games, to be honest, um, but it goes one and one, unfortunately. He has a 940 save percentage over the two games, um, but backstops Ottawa to a win against the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, and then unfortunately tweaks something. Ottawa now has six goalies with a win this year. Uh, Cam Talbot, Anton Forsberg, Matt Sogard, Kevin Mandelis, Dylan Ferguson, and Magnus Helberg with Levi Mer uh, Merlinen looking for his first. Uh, he played the, the Hurricanes today. I didn't get to watch the game. I was actually out watching Thomas Hamara and the Kitchener Rangers take a 3 nothing lead uh, in the OHL playoffs against the one-seed Windsor Spitfires, Kitchener the eight-seed uh, um, just a quick prospect update, I guess, as I go on a bit of a tangent here. I, Hammer, I, I've watched the Rangers six or seven times, at least in the person this year, and more on TV as well. And uh, he really struggled to adjust this year, but I think he's really started to find his game. He's playing a sheltered third-pair role with Kitchener right now, um, but it was uh, quite astonishing to watch. Uh, Shane Wright was really disappointing. It has been kind of disappointing this whole series, to be honest. He has looked just very pedestrian for someone I thought would dominate, but... Um, um, yeah, sorry, uh, off on tangent there. I did not get to watch the Carolina game. From what I heard, he, he played pretty well. Um, you know, it, it doesn't look like, you know, the game was really on his shoulders, I, I don't think. You know, they lose 3-2 in overtime, and the shots are 37-28 uh, to 28 in favor of, of Carolina. So I, I don't really 
you know, again, without saying I watch a game, you know, he posted 919. It's kind of hard to to blame it on him in his uh, season debut here. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's it's encouraging that, you know, I, I think, I hope that they keep running with him and give him a couple more games. And I should say NHL debut, uh, to be honest. I, I kind of forgetting that he didn't play at all last year. But um, I, I hope he gets a couple more games because uh, one of the really big issues down the stretch was Cam Talbot. Uh I have never been more confused by a goalie in terms of it's one of those things where I didn't feel like it was necessarily his fault, but every time the dude was in the net, it just felt like they were giving up four plus goals on, on 20 shots. And, you know, it was just backbreaking stuff after backbreaking stuff where it's like, we just, you need one save there. And um, it's led to a lot of discussion because Phil Gustafson has looked like one of the best goalies in the NHL right now in Minnesota. And, um, that's definitely going to be a tough trade for Pierre to eat. Uh, I, I've seen some takes on it, and I do think the right take is a, it is more than fair to point out that uh, Gustafson almost certainly was not going to do what he's doing with Minnesota this year in Ottawa this year. Um, you know, Minnesota has a history of propping up their goalies, making their goalies look pretty good. And, and you know, obviously there's got to be some skill involved there as well. Um, but I was to say, I don't think you do, you put Gustafson on this team. He's not taking 45 starts and putting up a, a 935 or whatever, you know, like um, that being said, a, I do think it is fair to look at the trade now and say, and obviously with some revisions history, it was short-sighted to trade a 30 for a 35 year old expiring contract. And they tried to extend them. Apparently, apparently Cam Talbot wants $5 million. Good luck with that. I think Bruce Garriott was on overdrive 1050 this week and, and said he wouldn't be shocked if he wanted to come back. It was a PTO now, uh, but I could be wrong. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth there, but you know, that's just how bad it's been down the stretch for Cam Talbot. And, um, but yeah, it definitely short-sighted to to trade a 23-year-old who has shown flashes and obviously struggled at times last year for a 35-year-old one year left. And and I say that as someone who honestly defended the move at the time. You know, I, I liked it. I, I was fully in on the push for playoffs. But, um, you know, uh, goaltending is hard to predict. And that's one of those things where I, I do think it kind of bit them in the butt a little bit where they, they probably should have been a little more patient, which is... Um, kind of what brings me to my next thought of why I'm already seeing people go, we need to go get another veteran goalie to play with Anton Forsberg. And I just don't understand, man. Like, we just went through watching, trading a young, good goalie away, watching him develop elsewhere and be good right away. Why don't you have some trust? Like, why don't we have some trust in our guys? And, you know, I've seen names like Jeremy Swayman. If you, that's different. That's not a veteran. That's a guy who, like, fits this core and could be a legit starter, you know? That's a lot different than going and picking up a Cam Talbot type player. Or, you know, um, I don't know. I don't think Montreal would trade him, but Jake Allen, like that kind of name. There's just no point in my in my opinion to do that. You know, if you can't find a, a Jeremy Swayman or you know, I, I still like Vladar out of, out of Calgary. He's really struggled this year, too. But he's another name on a cheap contract where I'd be okay taking a look at him, assuming it doesn't cost much. But if you can't find one of those guys where it's like he fits your team's core, I think I'd almost rather just, you know, take your take Matt Sogard or, or, or you know, someone like that and say, let's let's try and run with you, you know. And if it doesn't work, switch. I, but I even, you know, Kevin Mandelis, too. Like, I, I don't just give someone a chance. And... But I, I just, I'm confused. And, and people go, well, they can't play behind this defensive system. 
Does that not that, – that's more of a worry than anything else. You're trying to be a playoff team. You're telling me you can't play well enough defense that you can't trust a guy in his 20s who's shown potential to at least have some success behind you because you're just going to absolutely leave him out to dry? That's a bigger issue. That's a way bigger issue than itself, you know? Like, and I get it. Like, it's one of those things where you, you always want backup plans and stuff. And I know, you know, I'm hoping to have Jamie McLennan back on the podcast uh, in a month or so as well and do our kind of yearly recap like we like to do. But he's always a big proponent. Get as many guys as you can, you know, keep guys in the NHL as long as you can. And I don't always agree with that uh, philosophy, especially, you know, even when it comes to goalies. But, you know, he always says it's good to have backup plans, and I don't disagree with that. It just, it's it's hard to roster that in the NHL. So, um, but hopefully, you know, I, I don't think there's, you know, Ottawa's four games left, no back-to-backs left in the season. In fact, I'm kind of wondering why they stretched the end of the season out so much. Probably give a bit of a breather for playoffs, but it's kind of a pain in the butt. I just want playoffs to get started now, man. I'm, I'm itching for it. But, um, yeah, uh, Cam Talbot is... Uh, I don't think we need to see him in a Sens uniform again this year. Um, I doubt he will be back next year. Uh, again, like not all his fault. He put up a 900 save percentage, 2.89 goals against average. Eh? It just, just let the young guys play. You know, let ride it out with them now from here on in. And uh, again, just some of the injuries have been absolutely crazy. And that also goes to the defensive side of things where. Both Thomas Shabbat and Jacob Chitron go out. Shabbat was out for a couple of weeks. I'm assuming they they both get shut down for the year now that Ottawa is you know kind of out of it, especially if they lose um, their next game and officially you know really slip out of the race and and their next game they have Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Buffalo to end the season. So you know three really good teams. Buffalo is a solid team that's right with Ottawa as well. So that's a murderer's road to end your season. Panthers fighting for a playoff spot. Lightning still trying to scrap for home ice and Hurricanes trying to get that number one seed down as well. So all those games could mean something. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we need to see uh, Cam Talbot, and I don't think we're going to see Shabbat or Chitron again this year, you know, with their injuries. Uh, and it looked like we were going to lose Ridley Gregg at one point, but he's back and, you know, it looks good as well. It doesn't seem to have tweaked anything, which is uh, um, good to hear, uh, I, I think. So, um, but yeah, Shabbat and Chitron out has led to, Eric Branstrom getting some more minutes, but also Tyler Clevin driving, drawing in the lineup. North Dakota, unfortunately, got eliminated, which uh, brought Tyler Clevin back into the line or brought into the lineup in general. And, oh, my God, he has looked really good. I haven't got to watch every game he's played. I only got to watch two of them. But I've really liked what he's seen. He looks just kind of comfortable out there. He's, you know, again, like for someone who people weren't sure how well he's going to move the puck, he moved, he's moving the puck all right. He's leading all Senators defensemen with 62% Corsi 4 and a 60% expected goals uh, for so far. Again, four games, very small sample. Um, you know, you don't want to take too, too much from that, especially considering he is starting 70% of his zone uh, um, shifts, sorry, in the offensive zone, which is the most of any Senators defenseman this year. Um, but he's just looked really good, and that, that's really encouraging, you know, out of a pick that um, myself and others were, were definitely highly critical of. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's encouraging to see it again. I, I urge people regardless of the last four games, try not to take too, too much of a, a stock out of this. You know, how many times do we run into a, the thing at the end of the year where Ottawa's gotten a little more respect this year, but you know, Columbus and Philly are seeing it. Chicago is seeing it right now, especially where, you know, at the end of the year, you the bad teams that have been bad all year. The good teams do not try against them at the end of the year, especially if the games don't matter. And that often leads to Ottawa, you know, two, three years in a row, one, 
10 of their last 16 games or whatever it was. And that had everyone, oh, this is their year. They're going to be stronger this year. And they just start 0-3-10 or 0-3-10-0 or whatever for the next you know year or two. And it just, you can't put too, too much stock into the end of the end of the season, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, you know, it's definitely good to get a look at guys. You know, you, you just you, it's important to still take a look and... Um, yeah, Tyler Clevin has looked really good so far. And Eric Branstrom is another guy where I don't know what the plan is with him. I, I really do feel like this is going to be the end of the year for him or end of the road with Ottawa, unfortunately. Um, I hope it's not because, man, this guy is a third pair defense. And he, every time he gets more ice time, he looks so damn good. And that is why I'm so convinced any team that trades for him, like, I really want to see like a team like Washington trade for him, where they already traded for a guy like Rasmus Sandin and and put him in a spot to succeed. Like I'd love to see a team like that, you know, trade for Branchum. I I don't think he would be expensive, which is why I would personally prefer Ottawa just to keep him. But I just don't think they see him in his long term plans. But oh man, the way he just skates up the ice with with ease, it just it doesn't look like there's anything going behind it. It's just absolutely crazy and. You know, just so often, he's just a breakout machine. I mentioned, you know, Tyler Clevin's leading all defensemen in, in Corsi 4 and everything. Well, if you up that sample size to 10 games played, and I put a 10 to keep Jacob Chitron in there, Branchstrom is first. Um, again, if you get rid of Branchstrom, Branchstrom, or get rid of Chitron, Branchstrom is still first. 55% Corsi 4, uh, and then sitting at a... 56% expected goals. So, again, first in those metrics outside of Clevin. And unlike Clevin, he has a 55% offensive zone start rate, which is uh, it's still fourth most on the Sens. And honestly, most on the Sens of active, you know, of the, the main guys. A lot of guys are hovering in that 55 to 44 range. Zub is the bottom at 44. Sanderson's 46. Uh, Shabbat's 47 as well. So, you know, it's not like he's playing an aggressive amount. Uh, he's definitely been a little more sheltered, but... Again, like if the if the worst case scenario is Eric Branchum is a third pair defenseman who kills those minutes and can play top four for twelve or you know eight to ten games if you have an injury to Thomas Shabbat or something like that, that is such a useful player to have. And I just I feel so confident that he would probably you, you could probably get him in a four or five year deal at two and a half three mil. Like you know you could go medium to long term and get probably a steal on this player and. I just, I don't know, I, I don't think Ottawa has that in their future with him, but I think some team really can take a steal on Eric Branchstrom because uh, he, he continues to shine and continue to show what he's made of, and it's just been truly a treat to watch. So, um, honestly, other than that, I don't know if there's a ton to, that I really need to get into. As I mentioned, the Eminem Hockey Podcast is where you can find um, where I talk about the NHL as a whole. Matt Murray got injured again. Um, for the, that's been a big talking point in Toronto and, you know, around here where I am, um, you know, in Toronto leaf area. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't wish any ill will against them. It's just been a bad string of luck. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Ottawa, if they, they, they are at the Panthers on Thursday, then they come home for two games against lightning and hurricanes on the eighth and 10th. And then they play against the Sabres on the 13th, which wraps their season up, um, so four more games of Senators hockey, and I got to be honest, it's been uh, it's been a fun season. It, it really has, you know, lots up and downs. You know, I think you know it's funny doing this podcast every two to three weeks. You know, I logged. It felt like I logged on this podcast, and every other episode was this is the best team I've ever seen, or holy, this is the worst team I've ever seen. What's going on? So 
you know, if I had to recap the year, I'd say it's been a lot up and down, a lot of fun. You know, a good season, I think, overall for the team. Um, I think going into the offseason, I would still be personally looking for a new coach. I just, you know, we talked about a lot with Nick in the last episode, but I just don't think DJ Smith is the guy to get this done long term. I think he's done a good job getting to the where they are now, but I don't even know if I see him being the guy to get them into playoffs. So I think you just kind of got to turn the book and get a fresh start in the offseason with that. And then, um, you know, the, the biggest thing this offseason is going to be trying to figure out a way, in my opinion, to get some more depth scoring. You know, they, they've tinkered with it a little bit, and it's looked better definitely since, you know, the trade deadline, I would say. But I think that is definitely still where they lack the most. And, you know, you can definitely argue some health will, will help that. Whereas, you know, you hope heading into next year, Josh Norris gets healthy and you can play a, a top six of Batherson, Norris, Stutzla, Giroux, um... Um, and put Pinto, sorry, yeah, and put Pinto down to that uh, that third line center role, and even maybe Ridley Gregg is your fourth line center. Then uh, to bring it, obviously, I'm missing in the top six there as well. Um, you know, and and Kachuk too. I apologize, but yeah, you you play some Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Dabrinkit, Stutzla, Giroux, top six kind of thing, and then you know. Matthew Joseph, uh, Shane Pinto, and uh, I don't know. You, maybe that's where you got to try and find another uh, winger there. Maybe Sokolov is a guy. You know, he came up and, and had a small look. I I don't know. And then, you know, maybe Ridley Gregg is on your fourth line with Julian Gauthier or someone like that. Um, but they, they I think they definitely need one or two improvements. And I think one of them should really, they should really try to target that third line um, role as an, as an improvement, you know offensively and then defensively I think they just got to use their defensemen more appropriately I I still don't see the point in bringing Travis Hamnick back I just you know, especially if you're going to keep DJ Smith I think it's clear that Hamnick will be staying in the lineup and used quite aggressively as well again I, I just think you know the, the expectations were so low he didn't quite hit that so everyone thought it was a big success with him I would argue it's probably you know more of a a good job or showing of how good Sanderson has been this year that he propped up Hamannick to that point. And even when I'm watching, he does some, like he is an NHL level defenseman. I, I just think he's more of a, a six or even a seven at this point, but he gets used as a three slash four. So um, yeah, I think defensively, like again, you roll into the season with a top four of Shabbat, um, Sanderson, Zub, Chitrin, and then bring back Branny for that third left pair and take a chance on one of Thompson, JBD, Nick Holm, maybe bring Nick Holm back as your seven. I think that's a good defense quarter roll with that. I really do. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. They definitely um, are going to be a little more capped. They're, they're close, much closer to the cap than they have been in the past couple of years. And obviously in net, they got, they got to figure out if they want to make a change or not. And that, some of that might also depend on Forsberg's health. I can't imagine coming back from two MCLs uh, or two big knee injuries like that is going to be easy. So, um, yeah, lots to talk about. Again, as I mentioned, I probably won't have another episode out before the end of the season here. So I want to say thank you for everyone for sticking with me through the regular season. It's been so much fun, but the content's not going anywhere. Um, definitely going to try and get, you know, um, an episode out every couple weeks into June here as the draft and into the draft or through the playoffs. And then as the draft goes on as well and into free agency, obviously, and then 
Um, you know, maybe it'll go down to every three or four weeks in the summer, but then obviously we'll be right back at it in the new season too. Like it's it's crazy to see it, the the off season seems so long, but it's really not once you get you know through the draft and through free agency and all that good stuff. So content's not going anywhere. But thank you everyone so much for listening. I think uh, the next episode will probably be a season recap with great player grades on on every player. Um, you know, we I've done this a couple years in a row and looking forward to doing it again. So um, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, I will uh, talk to you next week. If you want to find the podcast on Twitter, it's Last Word on Sends. Myself, it's NHL Sends and stuff. Find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I'm going to be writing more during the playoffs, uh, Ottawa and not on Ottawa stuff. Um, and you can listen to my other podcast, the Eminem Hockey Podcast. It'll be coming out every Thursday and maybe Mondays during the playoffs. A uh, little teaser there. So uh, thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you have a great week, and I'll talk to you next episode.